Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Well, howdy there. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa. Appreciate you finding us on the various podcast platforms, whether it's Spreaker, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever else you might be getting your podcasts from. So we appreciate you finding us. We got a terrific uh, spirited episode for you this week. We're going to chat with Peter Blake, the host of the Sports Web, and which is part of the I Love St. Pete Facebook platform, as well as the NP- NSPN uh, Sports Media Network. We're going to talk lots of NFL. We're going to talk Timmy Tebow getting his walking papers, Dak Prescott's injury. We're going to talk COVID issues with Lamar Jackson and such. We're going to talk rookie quarterbacks, when to play them, when not to. We're even going to give you some predictions, some AFC and NFC uh, predictions for the middle of August as we approach week two of the NFL preseason. So, And lastly, we are going to talk, have a spirited conversation with Peter about in Major League Baseball. We're going to talk uh, pennant races. The Rays are hanging on in the, in the AL East. And we're also going to hit on the Rays Stadium situation about the commitment of the ownership, one Stu Sternberg. So enjoy the episode, and you're going to really enjoy our chat, my chat with Peter Blake, host of the Sports Web. Thanks for tuning into the Powers on Sports podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Before we get back to the episode, want to mention Titan Home Lending. If you have any home financing needs in the state of Florida, Reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. I can help you with a home purchase, with a refinance, with a cash-out refinance, with a renovation loan, a VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan, and virtually anything in between relative to home financing. So reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can reach me on email at jpowers at titanhl.com. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Here in Tampa, we've got a good, awesome interview coming up. we got my man, Peter Blake, back with us this week. Peter is the host of the Sports Evolution on the I Love St. Pete Facebook platform, as well as the Next Gen Sports Media uh, Network. Peter's a great host here in the Tampa Bay area, talks all things NFL. We're going to talk a little tonight. We're going to get with Peter. We're going to get his thoughts on Tebow, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, the rookie quarterbacks. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball, maybe a little, little, little League World Series, get his thoughts on that. And maybe even talk a little Field of Dreams game last week between the Yankees and the White Sox. So, without further ado, and my man who's just coming off of a brutal loss in Madden, apparently. Uh, Welcome back, Peter Blake. Yeah, well, it's a sports web. It is the evolution of sports talk television on NSPN. And, of course, I love St. Pete. And you're exactly right. The first game of Madden this year. And I still play video games, so don't judge me. Yes, I did lose to my friend. 14 to 10, he was the Raiders, I was the Bucks, so it didn't necessarily go the way I wanted to, and consequently, I think there's a lot of fans out there thinking the same thing with that first preseason game against the Cincinnati Bengals, that didn't go the way a lot of fans wanted it to go to. Are we, do we, are we really caring that the Buccaneers won or lost the first preseason game when the starters played about four plays? Really? Well, I, I mean, I, I tell you right now, if you talk to some of the fans on Facebook, they would tell you that the sky is falling and they're ready to jump off the Skyway Bridge. But I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. 
I just think there would be a better effort with the second and third stringers. But look, Jason, there's a reason why they're second and third stringers, right? But at the end of the day, they're still fighting for a job. You could see B.A. was not really happy with the tackling effort there, but there was definitely uh, bright spots in that game. All right, let's get to the the, the headliner for this week in the NFL. We're going to hit some NFL notes here. Mr. Tim Tebow gets sent packing by Urban Meyer up in Jacksonville. You know, everybody was all over Urban Meyer when he brought Tebow in. Oh, he's going to give him a free roster spot and all that stuff. And, you know, my thought from the get-go, and I told you on your show, he's not going to lose the credibility of his locker room if Tebow wasn't competitive. He was going to give Tebow a week or two of in, in pads to show that he could be competitive. He didn't have to be dominant, but if he was competitive, I think he could have earned a roster spot. But obviously, with film and preseason games, he obviously showed that he wasn't competitive enough, especially on the blocking side of the position as a tight end. I think he could have been a decent pass catcher and been serviceable there. But again, Urban Meyer took a lot of heat for signing T- Tim Tebow. To me, it, what's he? if he was the 85th guy in training camp, why is he taking so much heat? He wasn't going to make the mistake. I'll get you. He wasn't going to make the mistake to have a guy on the roster that clearly didn't have a chance to be productive and didn't earn it. Your thoughts? I don't really understand the hate. I think it's a lot of Seminole fans. I think it's a lot of college football haters out there that want to see Tebow fail. But at the end of the day, is he a starting quarterback in the NFL? No. Is he a starting tight end in the National Football League for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Absolutely not. Not with that blocking effort. It's disappointing. But look, the guy's been out of the league for eight years. So what did you expect from a 34-year-old? I'm glad he got a chance to pursue his dream. But was I thinking he was going to be a contributing factor for this team? I wanted to see him and Trevor Lawrence on the uh, the uh, goal line together in, in the red right. zone. I think that would have been interesting. But besides that, I mean, I just don't understand the hate. There's so much hate to Tebow. And it's like, look, the coach made the decision to pick him up. The Jaguars made the decision to pick him up. So why is everybody hating it so much? But you see those viral videos of him Blocking, just absolutely atrocious. So you can see why the Jaguars would cut him. You know, there's other players on that roster that are certainly better, yeah. and that's what happened. That's that's it's called training goes. camp. That's right. why they have training camp to separate right. the men from the from the boys, to so to speak. And you know, it's not like the Jaguars gave him a guaranteed contract or gave him a million dollars to sign. He was a rookie minimum. You know, nobody else around the league complains when Josh Gordon gets a fifth chance after all these drug drug tests. Alden Smith, Randy Gregory, all these guys that have had all kinds of issues and didn't play in the league for several years. Everybody says, hell, I'll take him on my team, even though he's got way more issues than a guy like Tim Tebow. And I'm not the biggest Tim Tebow fan in the world, but for everybody to be in such up in arms about Urban Meyer even signing him didn't make any sense to me. He was the 85th guy on the roster. Whoop-de-doo, he didn't make it past the first week of training camp. Not a big deal to me. It's a slow news day. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And they want to push red buttons and push buttons with fans. And look, Tebow is still a story, even after eight years of not being in the National Football League. So I get it. I understand it. But at the end of the day, you know, clearly he was not going to be a starting tight end in this league. Urban Meyer wanted to give him an opportunity. He did. It didn't work out. So Tebow's gone. Guess what? He's got that cushy ESPN broadcasting job. He'll make plenty of money. He's done pretty pretty well for himself Yes. So saying that he's a failure. I think that's so comical. You know, there's so many people out there that have never, ever put on the pads. There's so many people out there that haven't even got to that level. And for them to say, you know, this guy's a failure. Look, he's had success in the NFL. Maybe it wasn't consistent, but at the end of the day, Tim Tebow is just going to be fine. He did. He, I mean, and again, say what you want about Tebow. And I'm, again, I'm not the biggest fan, but the guy did better than 95% of all NFL players ever do in their career. He right. played four or five years in the league. He was a starter. Again, whatever everybody has their opinion of him as a thrower and a quarterback. But he, he, you know, he won games in Denver. He got him to the playoffs the one year. He beat the Steelers in overtime with the one throw to Demarius Thomas. Again, he's not our cup, my cup of tea, but he give the guy credit. He was a hell of an athlete and he, he was able to, to make it in the NFL. And look, Jason, I'm a Florida State fan. You know this all too well. And me giving him credit, that's respect in itself. So I feel like people should be the same way. And you're exactly right. I mean, people saying, well, again, he's a failure. They're appalled by it. Be appalled by 
Deshaun Watson. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just maybe be appalled by that because Aaron Hernandez, those kind right, of guys, right? Exactly. Be appalled by those type of guys, not a guy that does it the right way. And again, maybe he wasn't uh, athletically gifted this time with the Jaguars, but at the end of the day, good for him to try out his dream, but it just didn't yeah. work out. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's go to Dallas. Dak Prescott allegedly getting a second MRI in his show on his mysterious throwing arm injury concern for me. I think obviously they're playing the Buccaneers week one. He hasn't, he's not, doesn't sound like he's going to play in any preseason games. He's got this lingering arm injury, obviously coming off the broken ankle last year. You know, he just signed his huge contract. Any concern for you for Dak Prescott heading into the regular season, especially coming to Tampa week one. I mean, not concerned for me because of course that <laughs> offense is totally different when Dak is at the controls, but you know, at the end of the day, I think there's big time concern with the Cowboys organization. I think there's big time concern with their fans because this could be a foreshadowing of things to come, uh, especially if it's you know a shoulder injury that's going to be lingering. And anything that's affecting his throwing motion, anything that you know, has to do with that, you would be concerned with, especially you know signing that big time contract extension. So, if this is a sign of things to come, it could be uh, doomsday. For Big D. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And obviously, you know, just the chemistry of him having in camp, you know, he's not going to have as nearly as many reps as he would have had in camp if he was healthy. Obviously, with everything going on with hard knocks, I've not watched hard knocks yet. So I don't know what the kind of the inside scoop of what they're all talking about relative to Dak Prescott is, but I'm sure there is some concern in Dallas, um, you know, and they're never going to admit it that there's concern, but you know, there's concern behind closed doors with Jerry Jones and, and Mike McCarthy. No, I agree. I agree. And it's all about the Cowboys and all about that offense. But at the end of the day, it comes down to defense, changing a defensive coordinator into Dan Quinn. Is that going to be enough versus that high uh, octane offense, if you will, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and opening night? I don't think so. And then losing your biggest offensive weapon in your franchise quarterback, that's not good. So it could be a long season for Big D. But once again, we'll see. Uh, how this all plays out because right now it doesn't look too good for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. All right. Speaking of preseason games, let's, let me get your opinion on quarterback play. Obviously we have four big, you know, rookie quarterbacks coming in the league. You got Justin Fields, you got Mac Jones up in new England. You got Zach Wilson with the jets, Trey Lance with the Niners. Obviously I think Zach Wilson's going to be the starter with the jets, no matter what, whereas the other three guys are very up in the air. Obviously Justin Fields had a very good, week one of the preseason. Matt Jones played pretty well for the Patriots. Trey Lance was up and down. He had one big play for like an 80-yard touchdown. What are your just your overall thoughts of preseason hype on these rookie quarterbacks heading in? Well, first, look, it's like a knee-jerk reaction, right? I mean, it's the first preseason game. Everybody's excited. Like I told you, with the Bucs loss to the Bengals, everybody, it's a knee-jerk reaction. So with all that being said, Justin Fields, 14 for 20, 142 yards, one touchdown, to me, at the end of the day, the best chance for the Chicago Bears to be competitive this year and maybe go to the playoffs and maybe get past the first round is to start a Justin Fields from day one. And Andy Dalton is not going to get you anywhere. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be your starter. I think the right. Jets are going to go with Zach Wilson. You know, Trey Lance, for me, you draft him third overall. I get it. You have a Jimmy Garoppolo, but you can't stay healthy. I mean, if the guy falls out of bed, he gets hurt. So... I think eventually Lance is going to be your starter and he's the future. And you could see flashes of brilliance with him. But at the end of the day, I think those starting quarterback positions, Jacksonville, Chicago, and the jets to me, and then you go to the Patriots with Mac Jones and Cam Newton. I think Mac Jones should start from day one. And look, Jason, that quarterback uh, situation is up in the air because Bill Belichick hasn't named his week one starter. Everybody assumes that it's going to be Cam Newton, but it actually may be Jones because he actually knows the offense. So to me, I think there could definitely be some rookie quarterbacks starting from day one. And I think that's how you have to approach the NFL with, you know, it all being about the quarterback and having the athleticism and scaling it down a little bit. I think you can get away with, you know, throwing a rookie quarterback out there and look, Jacksonville, they have to figure it out from day one. Yeah. They're going to go with Lawrence. Take you their have lumps. To figure it out with the Take Jets. Their lumps this year. Yeah. Exactly. Throw their feet into the fire. So I think that's the best way to go about it. I don't necessarily like 
going with a veteran presence like an Andy Dalton or even a Jimmy Garoppolo. I get it. Garoppolo has won, but he hasn't, again, been able to stay healthy. And if you're drafting a Trey Lance third overall, what are you doing? Start him from day one. So that's my opinion. Well, I, I, I think with, with Fields, I think, I think what you're going to see with him is they're going to – I think Andy Dalton's going to start week one. And the first sign of trouble with the offense, then he's going to get the quick hook. I think right. the first time they lose a game because of offensive inefficiency or, or, or you know, struggles, then I think you're going to see Justin. And that might be week two. They might lose week one. He, he might be the starter in week two. I think they want to keep him. I don't think they want to put the absolute all the pressure on him to start week one because the Bears do have a good defense. They are they're, they're right on the fringe of the wild card. Same thing in San Francisco. They got they, they're, they're a lot of hype with the Niners this year. I think your point's well taken. Yeah, Garoppolo, and I think Garoppolo's very injury prone. I think you're going to see a package for Trey Lance, even when Garoppolo's playing and healthy, where he might come in for a series, a half, whether it's a goal line or a short yarded situation, to be able to utilize his legs. But I think they'd like to they'd like to sit him for five or six, eight games if they could, if uh, assuming Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy and they're playing well. Exactly. With a Lancer field, you can definitely put those certain packages together where you basically make the defense compensate right. for those. And then on top of it, I think the knee jerk reaction is at the end of the day, preseason football, you know, that's vanilla defenses. Man. We haven't seen them in full game action where the defensive uh, looks are completely different, um, you know, in a regular game. It's just a preseason. So let's see if when these guys do get a chance to start right. during the regular season and the defenses, you're going full throttle, if you will, and they're changing Game up planning. their looks. And they're, right, Game they're planning, planning and blitzing. Right. Let's see how successful right. those quarterbacks are in that situation. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be interested to see in the New England situation. Does Bill Belichick wait till after the Buccaneers come to Foxborough? To start Mac Jones, you want to put all that humongous pressure leading into that Buccaneer Patriot game on Sunday night. Do you want to start Mac Jones before that situation, or do you want to wait just after it, after Tom Brady's out of Foxborough on that Sunday night to start Mac Jones in, let's say, week five? That's going to be interesting to see how they handle that with, with Cam Newton and Mac Jones in New England. I mean, if you're Todd Bowles at this point, and you have to game plan versus a rookie quarterback, you think that's certainly an advantage, even though you don't necessarily right. have that much tape on him. At the end of the day, Jones is not athletic. He's right. the guy that's going to stay in the pocket. So if you're seeing that type of defense, I, I would definitely be uh, a little bit worried about Jones's well-being, if you will, versus that uh, Bucks front seven. Uh, who gives you the best chance to win? Is it Cam Newton? Is it Mac Jones? In your opinion, who do you think starts from day one? Is it a Cam Newton or is it a Mac Jones for the Patriots? I think it right now it's probably still up in the air. I think Cam Newton has a slight lead in the cup clubhouse, but if Mac Jones, these next two games in the preseason really plays really well, I, it wouldn't shock me because Belichick's not afraid to sit the veteran down. He's right. Not, he wasn't afraid to sit, cut lawyer Malloy right before the season started. He wasn't afraid to trade Richard Seymour. He wasn't afraid to keep Drew Bledsoe on the bench. So if, if Mac Jones keeps doing it, I think he has to prove it. But if he keeps doing it these next two preseason games, it wouldn't shock me if he started Mac Jones day one. In your opinion, who gives them the best chance to win? Is it a Jones or a Cam Newton? Long term, it's obviously Mac Jones. I just, I mean, you know, and again, this could be another situation where Cam Newton could be the guy that comes in periodically from the goal line stuff, the short sure. yardage with his running ability. They might start Mac Jones day one and still use Cam Newton. Yeah. I, I mean, you look at his passing touchdowns last year. I don't even think he had double digits. Yeah. So I don't know what's wrong with Cam Newton, but he looks like he's washed. And I think that's the reason why you draft a Mac Jones in the first place. It's yep. an upgrade. And that's why that's what I get. Like if you draft all these quarterbacks in the top 10 or even the first round, don't you have to start them from the very get-go? Because basically what you're telling your team is, we want an upgrade. Okay, so if you want an upgrade, then start the quarterback right away. Uh, I don't understand you know, why you're being patient when you're drafting them first round. The, the NFL is completely different than it was five to ten years ago when it comes to quarterback development. Well, I, and, and back to your point, you make a good point there. But I think a guy like, for example, Chicago, Matt Nagy came from the Kansas City system. What did they do with Patrick Mahomes? They sat him for a year behind Alex Smith while Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator. So I think 
they would love to be able to get a few weeks of fields sitting behind Andy Dalton if they can if they can buy their time through the right. schedule. But I think the first sign of trouble in Chicago offensively, you're going to see you're going to see Justin Fields. And Nagy talked about this the other day, and he was saying, look, I'm not going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what's best for the Chicago Bear organization, and I'm going to do the best for uh, Justin Fields. Right. And to me, that's surprising because he's talking about 15 years down the road. This could be a quarterback 15 years down the road. Look, if Matt Nagy doesn't win this year, more than likely he's not going to even see right. 15 minutes with right. the Chicago Bears. So to me, that was kind of peculiar. I understand it because it kind of goes back to the emphasis with the Buffalo Bills a long time ago. And they were talking about, you know, playing Jim Kelly right away. And the coach was saying, you know what? We don't care about our future. We're looking out for our quarterback. I mean, just imagine that. You know you're going to get fired if you uh, play this guy, but you decide to play this guy anyway because you don't want to ruin the development of a guy who you may not even coach. Right. So that's amazing to me that Matt Nagy is thinking that way. But at the end of the day, hey, uh, hats off to him if he, you know, saying what's good for the organization 15 years down the road. I'm just amazed that he doesn't have uh, a little bit more pride for himself, if you will, and his job security. I, and I think if Matt Nagy was coming off of a 5-11 and 11 season where they weren't really going to be contenders this year, you'd see Justin Fields. But they think they still have a playoff caliber defense and that they've just not unleashed enough on offense. So, I, again, I'm with you. I think Chicago and San Fran are in that tricky spot because they think they're playoff teams, and they got pretty decent veteran quarterbacks. Decent, not great. They have serviceable guys, whereas Jacksonville and the Jets and New England really don't have super serviceable guys. So I think you are more likely to see the younger guys play there. Well, let's say you go with Dalton, okay, and he gets you to a certain point, and then basically you have to pull the hook on him, and you get Justin Fields, and he makes his mistakes, and it's too late, and you miss the playoffs. In your opinion, at that point, does Nagy get fired? For me, I think he does because they expect more. They yeah. hired this guy to have an explosive offense. It kind of took off last year with uh, Mitchell Trubisky, and then basically they did what they always do there, uh, went back to the same game plan, didn't run the ball enough, depended on their defense, and, of course, the Saints ended up beating them. So I feel like the ownership, the pressure is on, the fans, the pressure is on for Matt Nagy, and if it doesn't work out this year, you know, once again, he's on the hot seat. He could get fired. And remember, he's in a big market, Chicago, so they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be patient where, you know, and I and I think Matt Nagy's job is going to be see how how – like you said, Justin Fields plays. Once he gets in there, is he a disaster or is he showing signs that he can do it? Even right. though the, the wins and losses might not be there fully, but if he shows signs, hey, we got something here, I think they would keep Nagy for another year. I just think it'll depend on how it plays out in Chicago. How do you think it plays out? Do you? Th I think, think you'll Justin see. Fields? I think you'll see Justin Fields by week three or four at the latest. Is I he think successful? Huh? Is he successful enough in this offense? Do you think he can do it? Do you think he can avoid the bumps in the road and, and have all the weapons with an Allen Robinson and a, a Mooney and the running back situation with David Montgomery? Can Do they have enough around him? Because I'm going to give you the answer right now. That <laughs> offensive line is not good. Hell out of me. You just signed Jason Peters at left tackle. How old is he? Is he like 50 or 60 years old in dog years? I mean, Honestly, if you're signing Jason Peters and you have all these injuries to your offensive line, you're going to need a mobile quarterback. And that necessarily may not be the best thing for Nandy Dalton, because guess what? He's not really that mobile. And, and, and I think that's another reason why it wouldn't surprise me if they waited three or four weeks, because if somebody's going to take the beating behind the bad offensive line early in the season, you want it to be Andy Dalton and not Justin Fields. A good to, point, least give the line, to, to at least give the line a month of, of trying to gel and figure out if they can be serviceable before you do throw Justin Fields in there. But to that point, Justin Fields has the mobility factor. So once again, he can make that defense account for. And then on top of it, when that offensive line decides to, right. you know, do the swinging gate play, uh, he <laughs> can basically escape the pocket that Dalton can't. So, you know, at the end of the day, it can work both ways. I get it. You don't want to ruin, once again, the progression of a rookie quarterback, but at the end of the day, if he gives you the best chance to win, I think the decision, of course, lies with the coaching staff. But in my opinion, I think it's Fields. I got you. There you go. All right. Let's. But you mentioned the Saints. What are yeah. your thoughts? Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston. 
no, no clear starter after the first preseason week? Does Sean Payton go, I won't say the conservative route, which is Jameis, or does he go to the guy that he's been hyping for a couple of years who he's told everybody this guy can be a quarterback in the NFL, Taysom Hill? If you want to be a quarterback in the National Football League, do you want to be under Sean Payton in this offense right now? I mean, I get it. You have Woo. Alvin Kamara, but what do you have on the outside? Michael Thomas uh, basically having problems with the organization. He's hurt. Your second wide receiver, he has some drunk drunk driving issues, if right. I can see it. I, I They've lost a lot of weapons, right? Their offensive line is okay. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback at this point. Right. I mean, you got Jameis Winston. He already threw an interception in the preseason. He got Taysom L. He threw an interception. He gives you the mobility factor. He knows the offense. I think Jameis knows the offense. But I've always learned if you have two quarterbacks, basically you have no quarterbacks. Right. So I think it's really interesting to see how this situation plays out. And then you look at the other side of the ball defensively, uh, Cam Jordan's getting up there in age. You lost a defensive end to the Bengals, which basically salary cap issues, major yeah. salary cap casualties on defense. Right. So uh, I, I really don't know what to expect from the saints. And I think the quarterback situation, it all begins there. And, and if you flip a coin, I think Taysen or Jameis at the end of the day, I think Jameis Winston We'll throw the ball down the field. He's a lot better than Taysom Hill. But the problem with Winston, as always, it's the decision-making. Can he make the right decisions? Can he cut down on the interceptions? And if he doesn't cut down on the interceptions, you know, how much of a rope does he have with a Sean Payton? Sean Payton will pull him. So I, I guess they're going to have, you know, some type of, you know, two quarterback system, which they've been running. But at the end of the day, yeah. I feel like the best quarterback for the job is Jameis Winston. And I'm with you. I think I think Winston will get the first opportunity. I think you'll see Taysom Hill in his kind of his his slash role, like he's been doing for a play here, a play there kind of deal. But yeah. I don't think I don't think uh, Sean Payton was going to be afraid to bench Jameis Winston and put Taysom Hill in there if if he's throwing multiple interceptions in games. I think you're going to see a musical chairs at quarterback in New Orleans most of this year. But if you're a fantasy player and you're drafting at Alvin Kamara, I mean, how effective is uh, he? How effective is he on this offense when he is your only weapon? Once again, you don't have Michael Thomas. You don't have Jared Cook. Whatever quarterback you put in there is basically going to have to put it together. You're throwing yeah. the second. They just signed Kevin White. You remember Kevin White there, Jason? <laughs> I mean, that guy's a bust. He's a complete bust, and you're signing him. That's how desperate you yeah. are for the Saints right now. I'll tell you right now, you look at this division. You have the Saints who don't know who their quarterback is. You have the Falcons who have defensive problems. Of course, Matt Ryan on the decline. You have the Carolina Panthers. They may be the most competitive team in the NFC South. With CMC coming back and Sam Darnold being your quarterback and having the weapons and that young defense. But this could be a cakewalk for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm loving every minute of this quarterback debacle with the New Orleans Saints. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, me too. We're, we're, we're on that together for sure. I could, uh, you know, the Bucks should minimum go five and one in that division at worst should go five and one. I mean, I mean who, do they, who do they lose to? What team do well, they lose to? Somebody could, somebody could get them on the road. I, I could see an Atlanta or, a, or even a New Orleans potentially getting them on the road just because we've always struggled sometimes in those buildings, no matter how good we've been. So, I mean, it, it, again, we're, we're not, ne- nobody plays, elite level football 17 Sundays a year even the best teams have two or three Sundays a year where they play mediocre ball at best so how about how about this picture you don't get the Saints until Halloween you get Jameis Winston on Halloween and he gives you all these treats aka interceptions how about that would that be good baby we will be rooting on for sure all right (laughs) let's go to a couple guys that 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 seem to be pretty resistant to getting vaccinated Kirk Cousins Lamar Jackson Jackson's tested positive twice, still doesn't want to get vaccinated. Kirk Cousins has been tested positive, close contact and all that stuff. Just your thoughts of that mentality of them being the leaders of those teams and making the comments, well, if I need to be, we need to build a plastic thing in our meeting rooms to do all this and all that. You know, what are your thoughts on just that thought process for those two guys? Look, you know, the whole thought process on the vaccine is that you know it's not fda approved but there's a lot of things out there that are not fda approved that players are still taking namely you know like a whey protein i get it i'm not going to get political on this yeah we don't know what's in the vaccine but at the end of the day it's supposed to limit 
the symptoms of COVID. And what we've heard the last couple of months from the National Football League is basically they're going to, you know, fine, suspend if there's an outbreak. So let me get this straight. Your two leaders on your teams, Kirk Cousins from the Minnesota Vikings, Lamar Jackson from the Baltimore Ravens, they're supposed to be the leaders of your team, the franchise quarterbacks, and they don't want to even get vaccinated. That's not a good sign for them. And I feel like if the NFL doesn't somehow find them or, you know, uh, what was it? If you if you have an outbreak that basically you could forfeit the game, yeah, if that's not taking place then don't come out months you know, before and say you're going to do something. I feel like the NFL has kind of turned their head and coughed. They uh-huh. did it last year with the Baltimore Ravens by you know, putting off the game, but they made the Denver Broncos play without a quarterback, a decent quarterback. So I hope that the NFL is consistent on this, and I hope there's not an outbreak. But if there is, the National Football League has to take a stand against it. Oh, they're going to – I think it's 1,000% guaranteed – that if a team like Baltimore, a team like Minnesota has an outbreak on a Thursday or game week and all three quarterbacks have to be quarantined and can't play, they're going to tell those teams, you either have a quarterback or you're going to forfeit. They're yep. not going to move games and move because because one guy, the quarterback, refuses to get back. That ain't going to happen. Yeah, I, I just don't and it understand it. And it I, I right, I don't understand it. We're all trying to get back to normal again. You have the Delta variant. You have people dying, of course. We're here in Florida where the numbers are just skyrocketing. You want fans in the stadium. You don't want to go back to lockdown. You don't want to make people sick. Do your part. Get vaccinated. Even B.A. was talking about this today. He expects his team to be 100% vaccinated. Of course, the Atlanta Falcons being the first one. And now, of course, the Raiders coming out and saying, look, our fans, it's uh, you know, you have to be vaccinated. You have to show proof of it. And with those two, to me, the biggest issue for me is, had they not tested positive yet for it, okay, I can understand taking that position. But both of these guys have already tested positive for it and have missed time. You know, Lamar Jackson twice. Bro, what what are they thinking? I I don't, I I don't know what they're thinking. And and, you know, he has the most to lose, and that would be Jackson. I mean, he could be getting. Uh, an extension here pretty soon with Josh Allen already getting his from the Buffalo Bills. He has all the money to lose, and yet he's playing around and saying, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm already tested positive. I've already put my quarterback room in jeopardy. I just don't, I don't understand decision-making at all. And look, at the end of the day, you know, Jackson, he's not a superstar in the playoffs. I mean, that's been that's the conundrum with him. He can do so many things, but when it comes to playoff time, when it comes to throwing the ball from the pocket and being consistent, he is not getting it done. And what does that come down to? Decision-making. Well, there you go. Off the field decision-making, on the field decision-making. And that's the reason right now where he may just cost himself a lot of money because of what? Trust. The decision-making. Right. Right. Because I can promise you, the first time that happens, if he were to test positive and the Ravens either, even if they don't have to forfeit, they lose a game because they got to play a third string tight end at quarterback because the whole quarterback room is in close contact tracing or test positive because of him. Right. I can promise you, John Harbaugh, there's going to be hell to pay for Lamar Jackson for that. And it by makes, his teammates and his makes, teammates. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's a selfish decision, uh, not only for himself, but for his teammates. That's what yeah. it is. So disappointing. I got you. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to the fire here a little bit. I want some NFC and AFC predictions. This is middle of August. These are not, you know, you, you have every right to change a week from now, two weeks from now, but let's get some in pencil AFC and NFC. Who do you got in the, who do you got in the AFC conference championship game? What two teams you like? Who do you like? I want to go with the Buffalo bills and I'm tempted to do it. But I don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. That being said, the Madden curse. We started out with it. (laughs) It is going to be the Buffalo Bills against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they will win two straight Super Bowls. And once again, we'll be talking about this team with Tom Brady. Can he do it again next year? Tampa Bay beats the Buffalo Bills and Super Bowl 56 out in Los Angeles. It's out in LA this year. So you like Josh Allen coming off of his big extension to unseat Mahomes. Mahomes has got the rebuilt offensive line. 
They've got, you know, revenge on their mind. They've got the motivation. Obviously, Buffalo has the motivation as well. They lost to Kansas City in the championship game last year in Arrowhead. Where's the game at? Buffalo, who's the one seed? Is it Kansas City or Buffalo? Uh, I or, think or neither. It, it, you know what? I think it could be the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, this team, the way they're put together and the confidence right now and the momentum, we've seen this before where you lose in the AFC championship game and then you come back the next year and all the moves they made in the draft and free agency, I think they get over the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't believe in them defensively they're not that great and you talked about the offensive line can they remake that offensive line in one year i'm not sure that's why i like the buffalo bills i got you. i think if the buffalo bills can find a running game that's the one part of their offense they need to they need to be better at is the running game if singletary or zach moss can be efficient effective runners they don't have to be great but you got to take a little pressure off of allen in the passing game to where they're not having to throw the ball 50 times every week so I'm with you. I think those are two those are two great teams. Give me a sleeper team in the AFC. Do you like uh, an L.A. Chargers, uh, you know, a team, an Oakland, a Las Vegas Raiders with David, you know, with Carr and company. Give me a sleeper out of the AFC. Well, Cleveland, it's not a sleeper. maybe I think, Cleveland. I think it's the Cleveland Browns. And if Jadavian Clowney can be productive, which he hasn't been the last couple of years, yeah. but if he can give him that other, you know, Ed's rusher on the side of a Miles Garrett, and Baker Mayfield cannot turn over the ball again. They can get Odell Beckham back. Yep. The Cleveland Browns are ready to ascend. All right, let's go to the NFC. So you told me you like the Bucks getting out of the. Is that a, hopefully that's not too much of a homer pick? I know we love the Bucks, but I'm with you. I think they got just the. I just think as long as they stay motivated, they've got the best cohesive team. Year two with Tom Brady in the system with Leftwich and Arians. Again, you, we've, we've both seen Bruce Arians has really been hard on the team in training camp with mental mistakes, drop passes. The little things are what t- tend to derail Super Bowl champions, the lack of focus, those kind of things. So we've both seen Bruce Arians in his press conferences very harsh on his teams about practicing to the standard. We have a standard here. Brady has a standard. You know, who do you think in the NFC is going to be contenders to knock off the Buccaneers? If Matt Stafford can stay healthy with the LA Rams, I like the Rams chances. They have the defense, even though they lost their running back. I think they can get enough of a running game there. Stafford, absolutely an upgrade over Jared Goff. They have the weapons on the outside. And once again, one of the best, if not the best defensive player in the game and an Aaron Donald. I like the LA Rams as a, uh, what's it called? A, uh, a, a dark horse. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm with you. I, on that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, I think Seattle is going to be in the mix. I think that eight, that Western division, we got Seattle, San Fran, the Rams, and even Arizona is pretty good. That's going to be a bloodbath division out, out West. And, you know, I think a team like green Bay is going to, could be the beneficiary of a, of a week's of a week division. So they could pile up some wins. They don't have to play the Buccaneers this year as well. So again, I think green Bay, could compile a good regular season. I'm not sold on Green Bay's defense. And I do think you're going to have a motivated Aaron Rodgers one more year in Green Bay. So I think those are three or four teams that I think we both agree they're going to be in the mix in the NFC. Absolutely. Yeah, the dark horses there, absolutely Green Bay. Of course, they were in the NFC Championship last year with the Aaron Rodgers distraction. And, you know, what? what's the mindset it's still Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day but you kind of feel like if they get off to a slow start maybe it's a distraction I I doubt it I think Green Bay's still there but I still think the LA Rams if one of those teams is going to knock off the Bucks that would be my team I'd pick I'll give you a sleeper sleeper a deep sleeper in the NFC the Giants if Daniel Jones can play he doesn't again doesn't have to be great I think they've made upgrades on the offense I like Joe Judge and what he's doing the defense was over they were over overachieved last year played really well as a defense so i think yeah. the giants again saquon barkley's back you got daniel jones if he can just continue to be good he doesn't have to be great be good and, and efficient i think the giants could be a sleeper as a nfc east kind of a, a they win that division as a you know 10 and 7 9 and 8 kind of team that squeaks in as a four or five seed right division wrong team it's the washington football team okay. it's patrick finally giving them a legitimate starter. You have weapons on the outside and a Samuels, of course, and a Terry McLaren, both from Ohio state. Yep. And then on top of it, Antonio Gibson at running back. And 
maybe the best young defense in the game led by a Chase Young. So I like the Washington football team to be a sleeper. And of course, a lot of these teams on that Bucks schedule that, you know, were tough games. Look, uh, it goes back to the scene of the crime, the wild card game. Now the Bucks are going to be going back there, I believe, after the bye week to play them. So yeah. that's going to must see TV. But with Ron Rivera and his coaching and, you know, what he's done with that team to turn them around, to yeah. turn that organization Wait. around, going Wait. to cancer. Right. That's what he does. And to get a Fitzpatrick. Now, you know, the question is, is he going to be tragic or magic? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and if he could be like he was last year with the Miami Dolphins, you know, before they took him out, which is ridiculous because they gave them an opportunity right. on offense besides the Tua, I definitely think the Washington football team can make some noise. Great, great thoughts. Great thoughts. You are listening to the powers on sports podcast. I'm Jason. We're here with Peter Blake. He's the host of the sports web. He also part of the, I love St. Pete platform, the next gen sports media network doing great, giving us some great insight on the upcoming NFL season. He's pissed off tonight because he got beaten Madden. So he's going for a rematch as soon as we're done with this recording to Pretty his much. boy down the street over there in Clearwater. <laughs> Absolutely. You're firing me up even more. I mean, I'm going in there and I'm going to beat him, but you're exactly right. Um, it's Madden time, man. Do you it, play man. Madden? Who's, who was the number one rated player on Was it Who was the not best non-quarterback player rated this year? Was it Aaron Donald? I, I, well, I thought it was Patrick Mahomes, but of course he's a quarterback. Yeah. So I'm not sure. That's a great question. Now, you, now, real quick. I, only because only I don't play Madden. Do you pick the whole team? Do you pick a whole team or can you pick players from each team and create your own team? How does that work? Well, depending on how you play, if you're playing an ultimate team, which means you can pick Bucks players from the past or any players you want to. And basically you build them up by going through games and winning games and going through challenges. If you're just playing uh, offline franchise, you have to have that team. But of course you can be Jason Light. You can make all kinds of trades and stuff like that trade first round, second round picks to build up your team. That's what we kind of do uh, a lot with Madden. So there's definitely uh, a lot of fun times there. And of course we were talking tonight, you know, who's the guy, who's the guy that's going to suffer the Madden curse. Hopefully it's not a Tom Brady because of course he's coming off the torn MCL, yep. but you got Patrick Mahomes. But as we know here, Jason, if you're on the cover of Madden, usually it doesn't go so well for you. So that's what I'm kind of banking on with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a sports nerd in a lot of areas, but I am a I'm a Madden moron. I I have what I don't. It's nothing in personal or intentional. I've just never got into playing Madden over the course of time, <laughs> and so I'm just a moron when it comes to Madden and all. I mean, I, I love the, the you know the gaming. I get it all, and it's awesome. But I've just never gotten into playing Madden or, or a whole lot of video games. That's all right. That's oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I do a lot of other bad things, I'm sure. So. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. All right. So let's, all right, we're going to transition. I want to get some couple baseball thoughts and we'll get you out of here. You sure. know, so obviously we're, we're getting to the stretch of mid-August. We're about six weeks left of the regular season. Our Tampa Bay Rays are still in first place, playing really well. The one concern I have about our Rays, can we win in the playoffs with all these rookie pitchers? We've got a lot of rookie starters. And not a lot. We don't have a true number one. Glass now out for the year with the Tommy John surgery. Got they got rid of Rich Hill. Maybe Chris Archer comes back. Who knows what that situation is going to be? What are your thoughts on? And obviously, you have the Kevin Cash situation from last year with Snell taking him out. Quick hook. Your thoughts on the Tampa Bay Rays as we head towards the. Uh, into the pennant race. I mean, look, Jason, it's really tough to rule this team out because uh, their success, their success speaks for itself. Uh, with all these pitching injuries, I'm not sure if they can make it to the world series again. I think it's going to be tough, but look, when your offense is scoring eight or nine runs right. a game, and I'm not sure if that's going to continue, but look, Nelson Cruz has definitely uh, ignited this clubhouse, if you will, with yep. his offensive prowess and everybody, you know, doing the same thing. I think it's certainly possible, but when it comes down to me for postseason play, it's all about pitching and defense, and I'm just not sure if they have enough of it to get to the World Series again. So I mean, I'm, the, I'm, they're relying I'm, on young guys. Most yeah. they got three out of their five starters, or I think are true, are basically rookies that they're right. relying on. You know, and they've got a good bullpen, and they've shown the propensity to hit it, hit in the clutch. But I just worry about the starting pitching come playoff time. 
They remind me of the Atlanta Braves in the 90s. You know, they're going to win all kinds of division titles, but when it comes to making a trade at the deadline, they're yeah. not going to do it because of money concerns, and that is going to hinder them from winning a World Series. We're going to look back, and we're going to see all this talent, and we're going to say, why weren't they able to win the World Series? And it's because either injuries or they weren't able to get enough bodies at the trading deadline. And it's just going to be like it always is with the Rays. You know, they're going to get our hopes up. We're going to think they're going to win the World Series. But at the end of the day, there have been the last 10 years, there has only been one team, one team under $100 million that's won a World Series. They were at $97 million. That was the San Francisco Giants. So I feel like at the end of the day, you're going to have to spend at least $100 million or over to win a World Series. And the Rays don't. And that's why they don't have a World Series in the last Well, you're right about that with the finance, but I would argue last year they should have been in the seventh game with the Dodgers if it wasn't for Kevin Cash making the blunderous move that he did with Blake Snell. But that's the problem. I mean, that's what they live by. They live by the Sabre metrics. They live yeah. by the computer, live live by the yeah. computer, die by the computer. And it, it's, it's common sense for me. I'm an old school guy. If a guy is pitching like that and he's dealing – Give him the six or seven Trust innings. Trust your eyes. Right. Trust your eyes. Right. It's not all about numbers. And I get it. They have all this success. But in their years uh, of being a team in Major League Baseball, how many World Series do they have? Zero. There you go. I mean, everybody, again, if you want to be like the Yankees and the Red Sox, or you want to draw Yankee and Red Sox fans, you have to do some of this. Even the Kansas City Royals, in this decade, went over $100 million. They went after a fan favorite like uh, Ben Zobers and a Wade Davis. And, of course, they had other players. But at the end of the day, a small market team can do that, and the Rays refused to do it because of ownership. I will say they did make a move, good move. Nelson Cruz was a big move, and, he, and he's, he's going to help them in the playoffs. He's, gonna, he's a big bat. If the Rays make the World Series this year, it's going to be because of the offense, not because of the pitching, in my, in my view. Because they've got a good offense. Meadows or Rosarena, you got Cruz. They've got enough offense, I think, to get them up to potentially win at least one series and get to the ALCS. But knock on wood, we know that this team goes through cold streaks, and we know that yep. once those bats are shut down from really good pitching, that basically you have to depend, you have to pitch for pitch. And if you can't do that with your young starters, and that's putting a lot of pressure on these kids. But again, yeah. the rate that's, that's the how way they do it. Is work that's the, that's the way they work and you know, god love them you know they're division champions they're making the wild card they're making noise everybody's yep. saying once again they're beating the yankees and the red sox but at the end of the day again how many championships do you have to show for right. the marlins have two the diamondbacks have one the tampa bay rays have zero and i don't think that's going to change but hey maybe wrong well here's what i will say the, you're right does the ownership not spend enough money sure but the community's done a shitty job supporting this team. We had 4,000 people at a game on, on Tuesday night, a home game for a team that's five games up in the AL East. 5,000 people. I know they're playing the Orioles. I know school's back in session. But 5,000 people is pitiful for the well, community. Well, Jason, it's a Monday night versus the O's, the worst team in Major League Baseball. On top of it, you have all these COVID restrictions. People right now are going through a pandemic. Come on now. And then on top of it, you know, nobody really talks about the weekend crowds. We never hear about, you know, sports media talk about how the crowds come out for the race during the weekend. We Do never they? hear about that. Yes, absolutely. But you never hear it from the media. What you hear is, well, Monday, Tuesday, they don't support the race. Well, look, at the end of the day, it's about location. We heard what Tyler Glass now said. He said that they should move them to Tampa. And it pains me to say that. Because, you know, I'm on I Love St. Pete platform. Yep. I would love for it to work. But at the end of the day, I feel like if the Rays had a Jeff Bennett or they had the Glazers, you know, what's the difference, Jason? Really, what's the difference? Every year we have Stu Sternberg come out and tell you how garbage you are because you don't go to every game. You could go to 10 to 15 games. That would not be good enough. But here's the thing. Why would I invest in the Rays? when the Rays can't even invest in themselves. They've never been over $100 million. They let fan favorites go out the door every year, and they want to create this fan base, but you're getting rid of fan favorites. It makes no sense. I talked to Dennis Phillips the other night of ABC Action News, meteorologist. He likes to be a sports broadcaster. 
He told me that the reason why he canceled season tickets is because they got rid of Longo. And at the end of the day, I get the move. I understand it. But fans don't get that. They don't understand that. They don't understand small market business. They don't want a multimillionaire telling them how to spend their money. They just want to win at the end of the day. And if you're not winning consistently, you're not spending money, you're not investing, and you're telling me how much I'm not supporting your product when you haven't even invested in your own product, that's a problem. And that's the reason why they don't draw fans. I, and I agree with you, and I'm not here to defend Sternberg, but there is a partnership where if the Rays were getting 20000 or 25000 all the time, the payroll would be higher, I, th- I think. It's not, I, I, don't, I don't think it's that they don't want to spend, but at some point you have to, you have to, you have to put a limit on what you're willing to lose because Sternberg's losing money, it seems like. Is he? And I don't know. You're right. Who knows what the books really are I mean, in, in an organization? A, Jason, here's a team that tripled ever since he owned them. Good job with owning them. But here's a guy that comes in, they get to the World Series, and then what do they do the next year? Okay, they walk, go out in the free agency. When they're not able to compete for a World Series, they get rid of people. They don't make the right moves. How many years in this last 10 years have the Rays been in contention and made that big-time trade to put them over the top? Never. I mean, Nelson well, Cruz, that, that was like, oh, my God, Nelson Cruz got traded? Really? To the Rays? Wow. Maybe but, two or three years late. That's what they don't do. And that's the difference between Jeff Vinnick and the Glazers. The Glazers went all in. They brought back everybody. They understood that there was a pandemic. They may have lost a lot of money. But you know what? At the end of the day, they did everything they could to make sure that they could compete for a Super Bowl because that window is open. But, Jeff Finnick. But you he got here. But, but here's what I got. I got to push back a little bit. The NFL is a salary cap situation. They're all the owners are getting the same money. Sternberg's not getting the same money that George, that Hal Steinbrenner's getting, or that that uh, Tom uh, Tom the guy in Chicago's getting, or the LA guy's getting. If everybody was on an even playing field of revenue, that argument's good. But the Rays have shown they're the best team in in baseball at player development, i.e., the young players. They are the best at trading a guy one year early, i.e. Right. Chris Archer, to get Glass now and Austin Meadows. They're right. the best at that. Well, uh, that that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, if you're not signing your own fan favorites, you're not going to have fans. You look at Jeff Venick. What's the story with him? He comes into a situation where the organization is a complete mess. Right. Right. And what does he do? Does he talk down on the fans because they're not supporting? No, he's giving them jerseys. He's doing I, I, you're right. He's endeared himself. Stu Sternberg does not endear himself to the Tampa Bay Rays. You know why? Because he doesn't want to be here. Right. And then on top of it, on top of it, because I always talk about this on my show and I get passionate about it because my father was a Rays fan and he went to Rays games and I went to Rays games and we grew up as Cubs fans. We traded over to Rays. But he knew before he died that Stu wasn't going to be here. Stu didn't want to be here. And he's told you with this whole big, uh, uh, this big whole announcement of going to Montreal. Look, he's already looking at Montreal. Why should I support this team if you want to be half the year in Montreal and be half the year here? You don't want to be here. And he was even asked in the press conference, Jason. Is there any way you could be in the Tampa Bay area? He says, no, it's not going to work out. That is a greedy owner, and people have saw through that. And with his threats and constant, you know, uh, badgering of the fans every year, it's like kicking a dog in the teeth. You can't do it. He's done it, and that's why he's getting bit right in his ass. Well, and the other dynamic here, too, that also plays into this equation is the political dynamic of St. Pete and Tampa – they're not gonna. They're not gonna play fun with each other. One of them want, is gonna be, get a stadium, and one's not. Neither have been able to come up with a stadium deal for the for the Rays. Whether it's a, however it gets funded, that's that's a different question. But with the bat, the, the battering and the badgering of Tampa versus St. Pete, because the St. Pete people don't want the stadium to go to Tampa, and the Tampa people are gonna say we're not driving to St. Pete for the games. So that that dynamic is also a factor here in this as well. It is a factor, and I tell you another factor is this guy has gotten the opportunity to go to Tampa and look, and yet he's not been able to make a deal. Why? Because he wants 
the Tampa Bay area or the Hillsborough County taxpayers to pay for it all. Right. They don't do that. That doesn't happen anymore. Look what happened down with the Florida Marlins. Look how many fans were cheated out of that. And by the way, they have a new stadium right. and they're not drawing flies. You know why? Because I can sit in my home. I don't have to be criticized by an owner. I can sit in the comforts of my own home, watch my HD television, and I don't have to worry about dealing with rabid fans, uh, opposing fans like the Red Sox or Yankees. I don't have to deal with traffic. You know, you take a family of four. Yeah, the tickets maybe twenty to thirty dollars, but you add that up. Then you add the concessions up and parking. And at the end of the day, it's like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. Why would I do that on a weeknight when I could just make an event of it, go to the weekends? and watch it on television. And oh, by the way, if anybody's saying about the salary cap, isn't it the Yankees and the Red Sox that actually pay him money? Where's that money at? A little bit. I mean, but come on. He's taking money and sticking it in his pocket. He's making- But but here's what I would say. As a sports fan, forget the owners. Throw the owners out of there. As a sports fan, don't we like to watch winning products? And to give them credit, they've had winning products year after year after year. We, again, hard to sometimes know who all the players are. I get it, but they put a winning product on the field. And as a sports fan, we that's what we want. Me and you have been Bucks fans our whole life. We've sure. been through enough four and twelves and five and elevens, and the Buck fans still would go to the game to some degree. The Rays have put together a winning team year after year after year, competitive team, and to get five thousand people, I get it it's on a Tuesday night against Baltimore, but winning organi- winning communities. Support winning teams. They just don't want to support the owner because right. the owner wants to get the bottom line. I, I mean, it, it, the Lightning, you know, for forever now, you know, before Jeff Finnick came here, once again, they were a mess. And Jeff Finnick did everything he could to endear himself. Stu Sternberg comes off as an outsider, and that's why the fans treat him as such. Well, there and, and there have been plenty of years you, you can make the argument the Glazers were in the same boat too. There were right. plenty of years right. where they didn't spend anywhere near the salary cap. But here's the difference. How did that work out? It didn't work out too well because the fans started to not show up, even with the 10 and 16. Remember that right. year? They had all kinds of blackouts. But did the Glazers come out and say, you know what, fans? We're you going can't, for it. I, they right, did. You, you can't support my product. So guess what? I'm going to take my team somewhere else. Did you criticize the fan base? No. You know what you did the very next year? You went out in free agency and you spent your ass off to put the best competitive team. And that's what it comes down to, Jason. It's all about hope. And when you take that hope away and you continue to strip it away and say, you know what? We're going to leave town. We're going to go to Montreal. We're going to cut salary. Nanana boo boo. Fans (laughs) don't like that. And that's what it's like. I mean, that's it. I'm going to take my ball and go home. You got me fired up, Jason. No, I agree. Sternberg's mistake he made a year or so, a couple years back, is he got caught talking to Montreal behind everybody's back when he got exposed, you know, if he wouldn't have got caught doing that, the whole Montreal, this split the season crap, which that would never happen under any circumstance that ain't ever going to happen, but he got caught talking to Montreal about a possible move. Right. And just think about it. If you go to a restaurant and say they kind of, they're not winning or they're not putting out a good product. Do you think the owner is going to go, you know what, because we're not putting out a good product and you're not eating it. Guess what? We're gonna we're gonna hire the prices, or we're gonna cut down on quality. Do you think customers are gonna show up for that? Hell no! Of course they are. And people say, "Well, you're fans of this, you're fans of that." Fans are sick of it, man. They're seeing through it. They're seeing through the greed. The guy's a New York outsider. He talks about being a Mets fan. I mean, here's a guy a couple of years ago that said he was a Mets fan. How <laughs> in the world do you convince a Yankee or Red Sox fan? to be a race fan when your own owner is a Mets fan. That's the problem. That's the reason why you don't have the fan support because all these Northerners are, you know, basically, um, you know, they, they are absolutely indebted to their teams. You know why? Because the Yankees every year, they spend enough money. They try to compete. The Red Sox try to compete. All these teams try to go for it. Even the LA Dodgers. And oh, by the way, your Cubs, your Cubs ain't going for it. You're well, you the Cubs, they did go for it. You know how they not went this for year, it? not this year, but they got Joe Madden for one and a half million, which fans didn't uh, forget about. You still got Ben Zobers, didn't you? You spent the money and the Rays didn't. And the Rays fans have to live with that. And it's over and over and over again, kicking somebody in the teeth 
And that's the reason why you have what you have. And honestly, I think Stu wants to do it. He doesn't want to be here. You have six years of at least Major League Baseball, I think, eventually is going to step in like they, they always do. They and, won't be here through the end of that lease. They won't well, be here in four years. They'll be gone. And, and as, as sports fans and as baseball fans in this market, we're never getting another team if they leave. So we got to think about, do you, love the, do you love the product on the field more or do you more than you hate the owner? There has to be. There has to be a compromise. You can't make the taxpaying public pay for a stadium and have a guy say, you know what? I'm going to pay 200 to $250 million. Okay. The rest is going to come out of the taxpayers market. Okay. I, I, I'll tell you this. How about we go half on this? And once we go half on this, you sign a clause. Okay. Uh, this is, this is just me thinking outside of the box. You sign a clause to where you have to be competitive every year and i'll give you your fans 20 to twenty-five thousand. how about that because you can't be the marlins you can't get your new stadium and basically get rid of all your superstars and then once again say oh we got a new stadium we're good here we didn't do anything after that and here's the thing the marlins have won two world series so they actually deserve the new stadium over the race Again, good points, all good points. But again, and again, one more thing to remember in this Tampa Bay community. We sold our soul to build Raymond James Stadium for the Glazers. We, the city of Tampa, Hillsborough County, paid every penny of that stadium, gave them all the concessions, and bent over and took it into you-know-what to have that stadium built because he threatened to leave. So there's some bitterness in the community about us paying another, building another billion-dollar stadium for a team. Which is why it's asinine for an owner to think that he can do that again. Not with this community, not the way you've been. Look, I could see if you're bringing world series championships to it, but if you're not even doing that and you're not even getting over a hundred million dollars, once again, why should I invest? I'm just telling you, I go on Twitter all the time. I go on Facebook and I hear the fans and people say this all the time. Why don't raise fans show up? And I say, there's a main reason. And it always goes back to this reason, Jason powers. It is ownership. It is Stu Sternberg sticking his foot in his mouth. The Glazers don't do it. Jeff Fennick doesn't do it. In fact, if you look in professional sports, I don't think there is a professional owner that's done it as much as Stu Sternberg. And again, I'm not asking for there to be 30,000 every night. You can't have five, though. 12, right. 15,000, that should be an easy number to hit, even for the fans that, and again, we all, you and I know who the owner is. But how many people in the Tampa Bay St. Pete market really know the name of the baseball owner? I think Probably not plenty. as much as we think. I think there's plenty. I think there's plenty of it. I think okay. they've read the articles. I think they see through it. And I think, you know, that's what it's all about. Again, stealing the hope. When you're taking the hope away and you continue. Yeah, to, but they're winning. But they're winning. Are they winning every year? I mean, again, if you're they're trying. All okay. you ask for they're is a sports it. fan is for your team to be in it, in the hunt. They're in it, but have they won a World Series? You're. You're, you're, you're going to the dance. You're, you're being a wallflower. You're sitting there, but, but are you really going to the dance? Are you dancing with the prettiest girl on the dance floor? Are they, would you have been if, they would have been if the manager don't take out Blake Snell in the sixth inning last year. Or if the ownership would invest money when it comes time to invest money, not only in fan favorites and guys like a Blake Snell. Look, you go to the World Series, and then your biggest move is to basically what? Get rid of some of your team. You get rid of two of your top pitchers, and everybody goes, well, that was a good move. Oh, yeah, you got uh, Patino. That's your future, though. That's the way the Rays are thinking. They're thinking future, and Rays fans want to think now, and that's the problem. That That's the problem. They want to win now. Champa Bay wants to win now. They yeah. won with the Lightning. They won with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Where are the Rays? The Rays are sitting right there on the wall watching the prettiest girl on the dance floor dance by herself. Well, man, that's some great, that is some great passionate insight. That's, that's, that's again. Good stuff, folks, Jason Powers. You got to come Blake, on. Peter Blake, Blake is as yeah. passionate of, of a Rays fan as I know. And give him full credit. He makes great points. You know, you're, you've got good facts behind it. I would push back a little bit on some of the things you said because the productivity on the field's been, in my opinion, exceptional relative to everybody else in major league baseball. I don't care what the payroll is their performance. The last 10 years consistently has been really, really good. And I don't think that's debatable, but just picture this. You wake up one day, (laughs) 
You're the number one team in the AL East. You're beating the Yankees and the Red Sox. And yeah. you make a couple moves to push your salary up to what? 90, 97 million. And that those are the keys to that Ferrari, right? Those are the keys to that sports car where you can win a World Series because you had to think about last year. Maybe if you have more pitching, maybe if you make a couple moves at the trading deadline, and yet the race just stamp out. Why? Well, they had the pitching last year. The managers, the manager effed it up. Say what you want. The manager effed that one up. Well, that's Stu Sternberg, and that's the organization too. <laughs> they have all. They have all the uh, all the decision making in that front office. It's not just you. about Kevin Cash. It's disappointing, you know. It's it really is because I, I want to wake up one day and feel like the Rays have an opportunity to win a World Series, and I felt like they did. But at the end of the day, in the back of your mind, you know that they're only going to get so far. You ever see Moneyball? Moneyball. Love the movie. Love Brad Pitt and yeah. Jonah Hill. Great movie. But the problem with the movie is what. They don't win nothing. You know, you're, you're romanticizing about Moneyball, and yet you never win a World Series. It's a great movie, great drama, but it doesn't have that uh, Hollywood ending until what? At the end of the movie where he turns down the $12 million, and then you find out the Red Sox did it the way the Oakland A's did. No, they didn't. They had over $100 million. Well, Oakland, Oakland's about to get a new stadium. They just made a deal that in the last month. They're getting a new stadium in downtown Oakland. So they're well, they're keeping their team. We'll see if the Tampa Bay we'll see if the Rays can strike a deal to, to build a new stadium. I think you're right. I think it needs to be in Tampa personally, from a population perspective and a fluency and money and young crowd, younger audience. But we'll see how, how it works out, man. It's all, all about right. a compromise, my friend. All about a compromise. I agree. I agree with that. All right. Tell the folks where they can find you online, your show, all the good stuff about what Peter Blake's got going on, man. Absolutely. It's on NSPN. And of course, I love St. Pete. It's the evolution of sports talk, television, the sports web. I'm your host, Peter Blake. And we say three things when you get on the sports web and Jason Powers knows all about it. Bring your passion, bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. Thanks a lot for your time, my friend. You're the man, man. We will talk soon. Good luck this week. Hopefully you don't get your ass kicked again in Madden tonight as you go to bed. <laughs> great stuff, man. Appreciate and we'll talk it. to you. We'll talk to you real soon, Peter. Great, 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 great insight, man. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.